Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this uh, edition of uh, Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. Today I'm with uh, Daniela Green, founder and CEO of Sleepedia. Mm-hmm. Welcome. And, you know, Thank Danny you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me about your your company, what you do. Sure. I work with uh, corporations and uh, small businesses on moving towards sustainability, rolling out sustainable uh, efforts, whether it be um, finding more green suppliers so that they can say they're running a green business or just simply coaching executive teams on how to roll out diversity and inclusion programs. Uh, to ensure that they are opening a platform for qualified leaders who are um, diverse of diverse backgrounds, whether it be women, people of color, et cetera. Uh, so that's primarily what I focus on. Uh, tell me about some of your projects with the, with the sustainable. Uh, sure. The most recent project uh, was with Microsoft and Gilbane here in Houston, Texas. Um, And that's simply because they are very hardcore on rolling out diversity and inclusion efforts, meaning how can they communicate uh, diversity and inclusion in a way where they open up trust and also find qualified leaders uh, to come in the organization to represent that change that they're trying to push. Um, Another side of what I do is the governance side, preparing corporations. um, Specifically, I was working with Amazon, preparing corporations for the shift we're about to see with uh, governance and compliance. Uh, Corporations will probably be required to reduce their CO2 levels, have green suppliers or more sustainable products on the market. Uh, Manufacturers are probably going to be called to a different standard to ensure that we reduce that CO2 uh, and our carbon footprint to reduce global warming. So those are some of the projects I've been involved with, with corporations. With individual professionals, I pretty much work with uh, leaders, whether they are women, people of color, women of color, uh, who have outgrown their roles and are not quite sure how to move into leadership or pivot and make that crossover into leadership. Uh, they don't really know what part of their skill set is relevant on today's market. And so I'll work with them individually. So it's two sides to the business. One of the, one of the things you see, or at least I saw in my career too, is, is when people, especially technical people, are promoted to the point where leadership becomes it. There's a different skill set. I mean, it's a totally different skill set. And absolutely, the percentage of folks that can make that transition, or I don't know if it's still the same, but it used to be probably one in ten mm-hmm. because of the turnover. So you really help with that that process. It says, look, that skill set you got here is great, and you've got to you got to expand on that because now you've got to do these other things. That are- absolutely. Or sometimes I'll find that professionals. your career is your responsibility. And a lot of people get upset when I say that, but if you're operating at the level of a director, but you're not getting paid or recognized for that, that's up to you to communicate that with that corporation, because they're probably not aware that you've outgrown your role. 
And so there's that side. Uh, but yes, communicating on, hey, to be a leader, you need to focus more on engaging teams. You need to understand not so much what you bring to the organization, but how the organization is impacting the market. It's a shift in your perception or it's a shift in that leader's perspective of how they contribute to the organization. It's not at a micro level. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's 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 an ongoing problem. It's been well since I started. You know, I was one of the few, I guess, that did make a transition because I was probably better at the management piece than I was at the technical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But> Same. <laughs> I enjoy uh, people much more. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked a lot better for sure. How'd you get started doing what you're doing? Um, I was in corporate America for since I was 16 years old. I graduated really young at 16, and I started interning for oh, Floral Daniel. Graduate at six. I think I was about 15, going on 16 when I graduated from high school. So when I went off to college, High Tower High School has an engineering program, oh, and so okay. I was fortunate enough to secure um, internship with Floral Daniel, which is Floral right now. But back in that time, it was Floor Daniel. Um, and I interned with them. And that's when I really kind of saw how my engineering skill set applies to a real life situation. Uh, and then I went to school for engineering. Uh, after completing that, my first job was with Shell Oil. O&M planning is what I did. And then I moved into business development. And that corporate climb from project manager, director to VP started then. And then uh, when you get to an executive level and you start to realize how what that company does impacts the market and what it takes for that company to operate, a lot of the times uh, executives go off into starting their own companies because they get it. They get that bird's eye perception of the corporation and the, the market and the demand, and they can go off and start their own companies. And so that's one of the luxuries of moving up into leadership. I think from my perspective, I was in the same boat. I was at Fortune 500 when I started my own company. But I, I think you're exactly right. You mm-hmm. get enough oversight, I guess, exposure. But you also see that the corporations can't, they aren't nimble. They don't move quickly. They don't no. move the customer. They don't stay in touch with the customer. So all that stuff you learn, mm-hmm. it says, holy gosh, it's a great company. But you know what? If we could shave some of the bureaucracy off, you could do that. That's how I, I agree with you. I think that's how I yeah. get started. So. Uh, but it does. It takes that takes that exposure to see that. Yeah, so it I, does. You learn by doing, and you learn by what not to do as well. Like I guess I'm trying to say, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was there when I didn't realize. I think for me, coming from oil and gas, and now we see it affects tech. It can affect manufacturing as well. I didn't realize how powerful NGOs were, non government uh, organizations that call out, "Oh, you're disrupting the bat." Uh, in the forest when you knock down the trees. Oh, this algae is extinct. I didn't realize how important it was to foster relationships with corporations or entities or groups that can stop business for me. So I think being in leadership, the most valuable lesson I learned uh, is networking. (laughs) It's who you know. It is, for sure. I mean, well, it certainly makes it easier, nothing else. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, where, where, do you, where are you currently with your business? The impact last year with COVID and, and everybody slowed down, did that infect, affect you at all? Honestly, it really helped boost my business a lot because I think COVID pushed organizations to say, hey, it's time for you to think of other ways to do business in a more sustainable way, right? And it pushed organizations to be under this scope where uh, I remember there was a report saying that in California, you could actually see the the beauty of the landscape because the pollution levels were down. 
And so it made it possible that if we could really reduce our um, pollution output as for corporations having people drive back and forth, do people really need to be in the office? And so a lot of people were reaching out to me, corporations and individuals, on how can they remarket themselves on the market and how can corporations change and reconfigure how they do business? So everyone was scrambling to make to stay relevant. So I think 2020 actually helped people uh, like myself, because before 2020, working with me was optional. Now working with me is a necessity because you're being pushed in that direction. So, yeah. And then for people on the market, you know, the, I always tell people the word project manager is overused. Now you need to know strategic partnerships with NGOs like these corporations are even changing their hierarchical structures. And so if you don't understand how to read a market report and go to your resume and update that, you, you might sit there for a while. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So you, you teach all that as well? Yes. Um, yeah. uh, repositioning on the market because the way corporations are hiring um, is interesting because we thought baby boomers would be out of corporate America in 2025 and we would have this big dominance of Gen, Gen Xers. But people are going back to these retired uh, people and saying, hey, no, we need you to come back and show us how to reconstruct things and how to do business. So it's changing things. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, a lot of the guys that when I retired and a lot of guys I retired with have done the same thing. They're back in the consulting like I've been doing for the last 16 years. Yeah, you're valuable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to know that. Sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't. But yeah, I think uh, the transition wasn't smooth. And I think part no. of that was a lot of, we talked about this prior to you coming on. It was a lot of the, a lot of the younger folks didn't go through some of the STEM programs and didn't go through some of the business programs. They went into degrees that don't necessarily transpose into the corporate world. I don't say corporate world, but into the business world. As, as oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, I think baby boomers have a gift to be able to think fast and think on their feet because they've seen so much take place in corporate America. And yeah. what we just saw with COVID, this is scaring the, the world out of people my age and the Gen Xers because they've never went through something like this before. Yeah, we went through that. I remember the Carter years, I was being, uh, was with Fortune 500 and when I transferred into Miami as a regional manager and I went down there and looked at houses and the mortgage rate at that time was 18%. Wow. <laughs> so you talk about a change in a financial thing. I said, no, I'm not going to go to Miami at 18% mortgage, right? But, but all that, the, the, the uh, dot-com fallout, and we've seen a lot of ups and downs and it seems yeah. like we always seem to send the level out again. So let's just hope that happens now. I'm not sure how much of the COVID thing is uh, behind us and how much is, I hope it's behind us. I I think we'll see the effects of COVID throughout this decade of impact in business. Yeah. Oh, I think from a, from a way, the way business is done now, I don't think it's ever going to go back the way it was. Oh no, absolutely not. I I think of these, uh, these buildings in New York, these thousands of offices, you know, and and a lot of them are empty. I don't know. They're going to fill up again. Yeah, I was I read an article and I thought about you. Uh, They were saying how, you know, the people who move into consulting and they get to do it by choice because they're enjoying retirement are being called back in because no one trusts the young millionaires and young billionaires anymore, because as quick as they'll build these companies and these organizations, they lose it. (laughs) So they're looking for more longevity. Yeah, they, uh, I made the mistake of a full-time position here about two years ago. I won't do that again. I was, I was a CEO for a year. I'm too old for that now. 
So <laughs> you never know. Somebody's going to say, what's your number? <laughs> and you'll be back in the office. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a, that was a tour. Uh, what, what do you think your differentiator is? Say it again. Your differentiator. What makes you different in the market other than you're uh, an engineer, which is different, making mm-hmm. that transition in my mind. So I think I think you have the balance. Yeah. I don't want to put well, words in your mouth. That's what. No, I was no, saying. no, no. You're right. Um, I come from a technical background, so I understand the logistics of things when uh, clients are telling me their timeline and what they plan to do, and the the logic to say, well, that's possible. That's not really possible. Uh, when it comes to sustainability, I am a woman of color. So I not only understand uh, how important diversity and inclusion is, I'm a product of it. Um, and I'm a product of what happens when you nurture your talent and o- expose them to opportunities when, within the organization. The value that I was able to contribute to my organization because I was happy and I was compensated and I was seen and heard uh, I saved them millions. And so I was able to go off into starting my own company and I still was able to keep those relationships with companies I'd work with and consult them. And so, um, diversity and inclusion, I come from that. I'm valuable because of my experience, uh, one. So I can probably speak into some areas where, uh, white Americans cannot, even if they are in leadership because it's sensitive right now. Um, so I can kind of help guide that conversation in a safe space. Um, when it comes to governance, uh, having an engineering background, I know what happens when you have all of the money and you're moving really fast and you don't have your regulatory under control. So I understand the value and the risk in that. Um, and most importantly, with the environmental impact, I always like to tell people, you know, I've been a tree hugger since I was a young engineer. And I know how back then when Al Gore was talking about global warming, it just sounds like something like, OK, yeah, we love the environment. But now uh, when we look at how the environment, the weather is changing drastically, we had a freeze here in Texas. Um, Now green efforts are super important because uh, we don't want this to continue on. So I come with that real life experience of what I'm consulting. It's not something I studied and read in a book. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's (laughs) it is. So uh, what are you going to focus on next year? Next year, I'm really wanting to make build some more relationships in Washington because I'm really curious where this administration is going to go when it comes to regulatory uh, and governance, because that's going to impact the way we do business. Um, I'm very concerned with some of those laws. We've just reentered the Paris Agreement. I'm not quite sure what that will mean for corporate America. Um, with us entering in the Paris Agreement, because we may have committed to saying, oh, we're going to reduce our CO2 levels by X amount. And that's going to put the pressure on manufacturers, suppliers, um, and corporations at large. And so I'm really curious about hearing some of these laws coming up next year. I wanna, one of the things I think we're going to have to address with that is, is even somebody in your position when you go to a company. Companies are, are uh, I don't want to say reluctant, but they know that we've cleaned up. U.S. has cleaned up quite a bit over the last 25 years. And, mm-hmm. and China and, and India are the greatest polluters now. So we keep putting more pressure on our industry. Mm-hmm. But it has to be applied equally over the world or we don't have an industry, right? Right. Somehow we've got to be able to uh, – we can't control what China and India does, but that doesn't doesn't say we don't do something. But by the same token, we've got to take – whether it's tariffs on China and India, even the score – with us, we've got to we've got to somehow figure out a way to make that happen. If they don't want to try to clean it up, 
their act. And if we do, we've got to be protected somehow. So in your your discussions with that, that's something that I think we need to bring up. Yeah. Um, we've made great strides. I mean, if you look at, uh, I can't remember the percentage, I just saw it not too long ago of, of where we are over the last 20 years. You know, it's not perfect, but we've come a long way. It is. Uh, in Europe, uh, I had a company in Europe, I think I told you, in, in, in um, Germany. Uh, and uh, the the standards that were there were way ahead of us at that time. I mean, it, even so much as sh- shipping material, you were responsible for bringing it back. I mean, they, you just didn't toss anything away. <laughs> uh, so we're catching on to that. And I mm-hmm. think there's more, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's more cooperation here than we, we give ourselves credit for. And I think that the problem is there's less cooperation in other parts of the world, and we see that as a threat. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Do you see that? You know, I've re- I'm really glad you asked me this question because I wanted to kind of ask you a question too. Um, do I saw it as a threat last year because China already had a plan to be carbon neutral by 2060, and here we are in the U.S. with literally no plans. And there is this who's better, who's greater kind of competition between China and the U.S., However, that changed drastically as of recently. Uh, China has a huge issue now. They may not be number one for manufacturing and supplying anymore. Um, and that's now going to push America in a different place uh, with the GDP, with how we see profits with people from your background. That's why I say you're, go- you're, you're golden because supply manufacturing is leaving China. And it's not because they want to. Uh, China recently had this company called Evergrande, and they let them grow to the extent where they have a $300 billion debt. They have no way of paying it back. The government has no way of giving these people who've invested millions and hundreds of thousands of dollars into these companies. And it looks really bad because uh, for people who are not aware, in China, when you buy a home, that's generational money that you had to save up over generations. It's not like here where you have a good job, you can get a home. So these people lost their money. And now China's banks are claiming to be insolvent, 128 banks. So we may see them go from our number two, that's the number, they rank number two in the biggest economy. I think that's going to push the U.S. into being much more innovative. Uh, India was highly uh, impacted by the COVID vaccines not being widely available. And so my question with all of this being here and this great shift coming back to the U.S., do you think this is something where we'll see an opportunity or is this a missed opportunity and we might need to stay away from overcommitting? I, I, you know, everybody I've talked to in manufacturing, and I do this a couple of times a week, is pretty bullish on manufacturing. Um, it's, we should have never outsourced to the level we did to begin with. Mm-hmm. And now I think with COVID, I don't know if you looked at my LinkedIn post, and I don't know, but I threw a chart up there just a couple of days ago. There's a guy in California who's looking at the ships offshore waiting to be unloaded in L.A. He's reporting at the ship tracker, and he had 71 ships out there on Sunday. So I got curious. I said, what, "What's the? let's just take a look at the whole route. And I took a screenshot of it. My gosh, you see that? It's wall-to-wall. Ships everywhere, over the ocean. I mean, it, it's packed. That's our supply chain. It just, you talk about environmental problems. The whole yeah. ocean is polluted with ships. They can't get unloaded. They're sitting there. So somehow, you know, I know we want to talk about globalism, but countries have to somehow take care of themselves. And right, yeah, what's right now is going to be bad for the next year. 
So back to your question, I think it, I think we are going to start seeing some of that come back in here. It only just makes sense. Uh, you got to look at that. Look at Ship Tracker and do do the search. I mean, I, I was. I believe you. Hey, you look like you walk across the water. <laughs> so, but when you look at that, that's our supply chain. And how in the world is that efficient? You know, yeah, maybe labor's cheaper somewhere else, or maybe material. But do you ship it, and you get an effect on the environment? I mean, those things don't run on air, right? Right. Plus all the waste they're dumping out. So, you know, when you consider all that, I think you got to consider the whole picture. We don't do that. We we do it in pieces. Right, we look at cars, yeah. we look at cows, you know. But let's look at the whole picture. The whole picture is, yeah, right now they're probably probably wasting more fuel, diesel fuel, and and polluting more or adding more carbon just just than shipping plastic toys from China to the U.S. What sense does that make? Yeah, and then now with them facing this huge financial crisis, it's opening up a market. I think uh, they some people say Malaysia may take up some of that slack. Taiwan. Uh, maybe South Korea, maybe some parts of India, but everybody's really looking at the U.S. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be interesting. It is. I can't wait to see what happens. Well, listen, how can people get hold of you to uh, talk to you? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, it's uh, linkedin.com backslash Daniela Green International. Uh, my my handles for Instagram is uh, instagram.com backslash Slaypedia. Um, and then for Facebook, facebook.com, twitter.com backslash uh, Slaypedia. So that's how they can find me. Slaypedia. I had trouble with that. S-L-A-Y. It's okay. That's, anything else you want to add about your? No. Um, I'm, I'm, so, yeah, I'm always excited to take on new clients, whether you are, you've outgrown your role. You know, you've been in that position for X amount of time. I'd love to have you come to a free session so you can see how I work and how I operate and how I build uh, my clients up and uh, reposition their resume, because it is the time of year to consider what part of your skill set is relevant right now? Because we only care about the fires we need to put out. So with what where's the demand and how can you meet that as a professional? Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has truly been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger uh, or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.
thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. And we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.